Good afternoon, patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about a Senate resolution condemning all forms of anti-Asian sentiment, as well as Hollywood eschewing historical accuracy to fit a narrative. All next on Living with Liberty. A number of senators, uh, Democrats to be specific, about 30 or so of them, including my one of my senators anyway, Tammy Baldwin, presented a resolution in the Senate condemning all forms of anti-Asian sentiment and hatred. Now, who would be against such a resolution? I mean, it's uh, to me, it's common sense that we're all humans, we're all Americans. Yes, there are those out there that are acting like morons, basically, but do we really need our senators, our elected officials, spending time on these sorts of things? I, we have much bigger problems, I think, than our senators uh, passing resolutions or presenting resolutions that they have no intention really of hearing to the language in them uh, whatsoever anyway. Um, but I, I wrote a letter to my senator, to Senator Baldwin, last week and posted it on my blog, posing a few questions to her about what this resolution means, particularly in some of the uh, later pages of it, as far as the action we can expect from our elected officials based on this resolution they drafted. And I outlined actually what my expectations will be for her going forward in light of her being one of the co-sponsors on this resolution. Now, if you haven't had a chance to read my letter to Senator Baldwin, please go to my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com, and under blogs, you'll find it. Now, in presenting something like this, uh, does that mean Yale University is now in the crosshairs after their admitted bias in admissions, denying entry to Americans of Asian descent? This resolution is full of identity politics drivel. You, you know, I don't know that it, it, there's been, you could call plenty of anti-Asian sentiment going on for years, and now we're all of a sudden going to do something about it. Yale admitted that they had bias, and a number of other schools have as well. Now, you know, we've come to know that this is the Democrats' game. It's all about the identity politics. That's obviously why they're doing this now. Um, you know, and even though I, I posted this on my blog, I want to run through it again because I think there's some other, it's that important, let's call it, because this is something that we can hold our elected officials accountable to. They want to co-sponsor this thing. Let's hold them accountable to it as, as we see their colleagues and uh, media sycophants spouting off at the mouth about, uh, you know, racial division and, and trying to incite racial division. Let's shoot them a, a letter, email, call, whatever, 
and ask them what are they going to do about that because I think our expectations have to be different, particularly if they signed on as a co-sponsor this resolution. Now, looking at, at the resolution itself, if we look at page two. These uh, senators wrote there, whereas the use of anti-Asian terminology and rhetoric related to COVID-19, such as Chinese virus, Wuhan virus, and Kung flu have perpetuated anti-Asian stigmas. Really? I didn't know calling out where a disease came from constituted perpetrating a stigma. So when do the resolutions come out to denounce the references that we've heard over and over these this past year to the Spanish flu or the German measles or the West Nile virus or even the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, also known as MERS? Outbreaks of new diseases get named after where they originate. That's just what happens. Now, when Ebola came to the U.S., did we have a rash of people blaming Americans of African descent for Ebola coming to our shores? No, because that would have been stupid. Just like it's stupid to blame Americans of Asian descent, or even actual Asians for that matter, for the coronavirus. That blame lies solely on the CCP, and in my opinion, the useless and incompetent WHO. And maybe even to a certain degree, to the Democrats and the media sycophants themselves for continuing to per- perpetuate racial division in this country. It, it, just because it's aimed at one group or another uh, doesn't mean that everybody doesn't see it and see that in their mind make it okay to do that no matter you know what race, nationality, creed, color, whatever somebody is. It's been allowed it's not been condemned even even though it's been going one way it, people eventually say well it must be okay then so some of that lies squarely on the democrats and their their media allies too for perpetuating this in my opinion anyway now in no way shape or form does referring to where a virus originated um, continue to perpre- perpetuate widespread stereotyping, or ostracizing of a group of people. That's just, I read that, it's just, to me, it's just stupid. Now, yes, if if you are one of those Americans or whoever, it's not my listeners, I know that, but whoever believes that all Americans of Asian descent or any whatever uh, were responsible for the coronavirus, they're that's, you're a complete moron at that point, and you're unworthy of being taken seriously as a person. But I don't know why that would be, why in your mind that would be okay. It just blows my mind that, that one, that this resolution came out, and two, that, that, that there's that line of thinking. I, I can't even get the words out on it. It's just that dumb. That line of thinking is is just not okay. Like I said, I, I think it gets perpetuated by the constant uh, identity politics that we see from our, our elected officials and, and media. Now, let, let's change gears a bit uh, for a moment here. And, and we want to be fair, right? Just because I, I, I think this is unnecessary. We need to be fair about this. Uh, you know, 
taking and putting aside the Georgia shooting, because that incident had been highly politicized from the start to fit the double-barrel narrative of anti-Asian sentiment and the need for gun control, even though that shooter uh, did end up killing not only you know six uh, six I think Asian Americans, but also um, someone of Hispanic descent and two white people. I mean, so to one to throw that in there as as um, as a uh, a racial killing is ridiculous. Um, two, uh, they're trying to shoehorn that thing into a double barrel narrative. We just got to throw that aside and throwing that one aside and it's horrible. It's horrible, right? We don't ever want to see that throw it aside for a minute here, because if we take that out of the picture, uh, and as I looked at the numbers, crime against Americans of Asian descent have been on an increase. Now, all of these crimes, do they fit into this narrative of all this, um, hatred and and um uh sentiments to the negative against uh, Americans of Asian descent I don't think so can some of it be attributed to that uh yeah unfortunately it it can and is um is it the widespread problem that they're trying to paint it as now I don't think so now in this resolution the senate listed four incidents which is I researched them, uh, two of them I was able to confirm that the perpetrators did have an anti-Asian uh, uh, agenda to them. Now, as I go through these, I want you to listen to the cities that these occurred in. There's more to it than just a, a blanket statement of we have a problem with uh, Asian hatred in this country. Now, see if you can catch the trend as I read this off. Now, the first one is in New York City. There was a woman assaulted of, uh, uh, of uh, Asian descent in the subway by a man who was yelling anti-Asian slurs. So that's the first one I was able to confirm that, yes, this one did fall under that category. The next one, two children and two adults were stabbed in a Midland, Texas wholesale grocery store by a perpetrator with an anti-Asian agenda. That's the second one I was able to confirm as I picked through and tried to, to piece together what, what the Senate resolution was referencing. Third one, a couple was assaulted and robbed by a group of attackers in Philadelphia. Okay, so there, there you have a, a mob of people attacking a, a couple uh, in Philadelphia. And this last one, we have a 16-year-old boy who was hospitalized after being attacked by bullies, plural, bullies, in Los Angeles. Now, I know I've, I've got one of the smartest audiences around here. You probably caught this. But did you catch the trend in the cities? Three of the four, New York, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles, defunded their police by, uh, in some manner, way, shape, or form over the course of the past year and had not cracked down on the looting and rioting that had gone on. They, in essence, allowed it. LA still has that 
that radical uh, radical attorney general there running the show and letting people back out on the street. You know, it's this inaction and the lack of speaking out against these unlawful activities, the looting, the rioting, the going after, you know, certain groups of people, the divisive rhetoric. It's it, it just normalized this behavior and it makes people think that it's okay to just do these things, to go and attack people, to to shout these, you know, slurs against them, no matter what nationality, creed, race, whatever, you know, they are, doesn't matter. It's all horrible. Um, it, you know, I think the lack of speaking out, the lack of our media doing its job and in, in, instead of reporting with the slant, reporting and um, saying how horrible these things are, you know, they've, they've had a hand in normalizing this social media with Twitter, Facebook, pulling down some posts and not others. I, I mean, it's just the normalization of this and we shouldn't be shocked that these things are happening. Now I'll concede that there has been some crimes against Americans of Asian descent that could be labeled as hate crime. I just outlined two here. I'm sure there's others, but there's likely just as much happening uh, because our elected officials have refused to put an end to the, the looting, the rioting, the general unlawfulness, and trying to apologize and explain it away instead of doing what needs to be done and making sure people follow the letter of the law, make sure that people are normalized and civilized in, in our society instead of acting like complete savages at times. And and they continue on with their divisive and hateful rhetoric, trying to split Americans apart that, you know, our elected officials, again, not taking responsibility for their own actions. Now, we couple that with this defunding the police in these cities. And you haven't uh, absolutely have a recipe for an increase in the crime we've seen. Yes, some of it has been against Asian Americans, and so, and yes, it has, like I said, to be fair, has been on the increase if you look at the numbers. Now, think about this, though, in the defunding of the police. Where do those police patrols that uh, are lost to defunded departments, where do those get pulled from? It's not the gated communities these elected officials and their cronies in the media and elsewhere live in. It's off of the neighborhoods are out of the neighborhoods that people like these uh, our uh, American uh, Asian American friends live in. It's the neighborhoods that uh, these uh, black uh, families live in. Those are where the crime is rising because those are the first patrols that get put, pulled off the street. Now, moving on, speaking of the vice of rhetoric, uh, kind of brings me to my uh, to the point of my letter to my senator. Uh, I'm going to go through it again, like I said earlier in opening here, because it's important we hold these wannabe Mensa graduates feet to the fire, since in my view they have backed themselves into a corner with this resolution, that they must now take action based on the words they've put on paper. Now on page five of this resolution, our Menza dropouts wrote, and I quote, that the Senate recognizes that the health and safety of all people of the United States 
regardless of background, must be the utmost priority. So as I read that, these senators will be front and center denouncing all Antifa and BLM violence. They will stop with the defund the police nonsense. And we should expect to hear statements from these senators admonishing any and all divisive rhetoric. And we should see one right now for what Maxine Waters said the other day in her latest attack on the police, saying that the police believe their job is to keep black people in their place. Now, it sounds like Maxine doesn't think Americans deserve safety. I realize Maxine Waters is in the House, but this is Senate Democrats are saying they condemn this so that you hold your colleagues accountable. So they should be holding Maxine Waters accountable for this. It sounds like she doesn't believe Americans deserve safety. It also sounds a bit, this statement sounds a bit racist to me. Waters' statements seem to go against the resolution that the Senate, uh, these senators had put forth, the, the one I just read, where it says we all deserve health and safety. And that should be the utmost importance. Now, we'll go on and we'll see in the next uh, very next paragraph of this resolution. I'll link it in the description box so you all have uh, have an opportunity to, to read through it if you want. It's not long. It's only about seven pages. Um, but the next very next paragraph in this resolution reads, and I quote again, the Senate condemns all manifestations and expressions of racism, xenophobia, discrimination, anti-Asian sentiment, scapegoating, and ethnic or religious intolerance. So we can expect the party of tolerance to quit with the inflammatory rhetoric then. And when one of their own pipes up with some sort of racist rhetoric or anti-religious rhetoric or whatever, we can expect that the co-sponsors of this resolution will be uh, on the front lines of speaking out and holding those in their party accountable for their inflammatory remarks. And to think about it, since we are still canceling stuff, uh, the Democrat and the, and the fact that the Democrats seem to like to live in the past, we should be expectant then that given what Duckworth and Hirono said last week, where they came out and were so bold as to announce they were rejecting all Biden nominees until he nominated a, uh, an American of Asian descent for a cabinet position. It, it, we it, and that's in violation of civil rights laws, by the way. It, it it would be reasonable for us to expect then that there will be statements forthcoming from these at least one, if not all, these co-sponsors of this bill. Uh, as far as as you know, Duckworth and Hirono's little stunt and comments were concerned, I I think that falls under the condemnation of ethnic intolerance, right? In a, in in conjunction with violating civil rights laws by saying they weren't going to confirm anyone outside of an American of Asian descent. They were in direct violation of this resolution that by the way, they, their names are on this thing as well. They co-sponsored this thing as well. Now by rights, their statements would have been, uh, would be worthy of having them canceled, kick them out of the Senate. Those are the rules now, right? We'd be right to expect, with all the uh, all that's gone on, 
we should be right to expect that all the white supremacy scapegoating should stop by both Democrats and their media bootlickers, right? That's what this resolution says. It says they condemn it, that nobody should be uh, ostracized for their color of their skin. And we should expect, especially of the co-signers and co-sponsors of this bill, that would be your Tammy Baldwins, Maisie Hironos, Tammy Duckworth, amongst a host of others, that they will be front and center speaking out against any and all of this vile rhetoric. Now, of course, the Democrats aren't serious people, so they actually won't uh, hold any of their own accountable or the media. What this thing is and why they put it out there is just another tool that they can point at Republicans, they can point at Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, and all the other conservative outlook outlets, blogs, papers, whatever out there, that they can use it to kind of further their divisive agenda. Now, however, this resolution is a public record. We have it in print here. I'll put the link. Like I said, I'll link, I'll link uh, it in the description box for you. So we can hold these elected officials accountable to it whether it's officially passed or not. They put their names on it. So they need to hear from us every time we see a Democrat spewing vile rhetoric. First, if you have a Democrat senator, write them a letter pinpointing these points of emphasis uh, that we've laid out here today. Feel free to go to my blog. Like I said, I posted my letter out there to uh, Tammy Baldwin and use that as a model to, to set the expectations. Next, after we've laid out the expectations with, or you've laid out the expectations with your senator, keep sending them examples of their colleagues and their divisive racist rhetoric. Ask them when they will be issuing a statement condemning it. Now, I'll be sending Tammy Baldwin an email this week uh, just to inquire what her stance is on Maxine Waters' obvious race-baiting statements and, and truthfully anti-safety statements. And when will she be making a statement against it? When can I expect a statement that you'll, that you'll uh, speak out against this and start holding your own accountable? We need to start using Alinsky's fourth rule here. Make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. If our Mensa dropout class wants to put a resolution like this out there, then we, may, we need to make them live up to it. Now, my last topic for today comes via an American conservative article titled Hollywood's Obsession with Rewriting History by Ingrid Chung. It'll come no, as no surprise to anyone, I'm sure, that Hollywood takes plenty of liberty with the retelling of history. This article exposes how far it will go in this time of wokeness and narrative pushing. And I think it'll cause you to take a pause and rethink the accuracy of any Hollywood biography or biopic or uh, historical movie going forward, even ones you've seen in the past. Chung, Chung writes the, uh, of the recent uh, biopic of the United States versus Billie Holiday. Now, a little background on Billie Holiday. She was a, uh, and probably is, and if, if you're a jazz uh, aficionado, 
uh, a well-known and highly regarded jazz singer back in the 1930s through 1950s, let's call it. Her life was cut short by uh, complications from years of hard living, you know, drug abuse, alcohol, etc. As she is credited with recording the first song of the civil rights era titled Strange Fruit, which is a song about the lynching of blacks in the South. The song drew the ire of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, and coupled with her heroin addiction, it eventually led to her arrest as the the Federal Bureau of Narcotics told her, don't record the song, don't play the song, and she continued to do so. I say good for her. Freedom, I mean, that you can't take away someone's First Amendment like that, so good for her. But, you know, think about the time. It was the 30s through the 50s and what was going on. Stuff like that is at the time was going to lead to an arrest if they, particularly if they got you for something else like a heroin addiction, right? But so very, very well-known jazz singer. Chung raises the cause for alarm on how far Hollywood takes their artistic liberties and how it actually preys upon how little Americans know of history and how apt they are not to do any fact-checking of their own. Chung describes the scene that would be highly questionable to anyone with any sort of historical knowledge of key governmental figures, particularly particularly those of the late 1940s. She describes the scene as follows, and I quote, One should be alarmed, however, by a particular scene in which a group of prominent historical figures, all known for their virulent anti-communism, congregate in a smoke-filled boardroom to conspire to take down Billie Holiday. The scene in question, Chung continues on, opens with Agent Harry Anslinger taking long, assured strides down the corridor of the U.S. Capitol, as subtitles set the date as April 3rd, 1947. Now remember that date, it's important. He, meaning Anslinger, enters Senator's chambers with a uh, in which a group of white, middle-aged congressmen lounge and banter with whiskey and cigarettes in hand. Senator Joseph McCarthy, his chief counsel Ray Cohn, Congressman J. Parnell Thomas, and John E. Rankin are among the men present. A conversation ensues in which the sophistical correlations between jazz, drugs, race, and civil rights are explored as the men attempt to establish grounds for the arrest of Billie Holiday. Chung writes that finally it is the youthful Roy Cohn who suggests that they have, they have Holiday arrested on drug charges. The scene ends with Congressman Thomas giving Anslinger the green light to go after Holiday. Now, the problem with this scene uh, that Hollywood is presenting as historically accurate is that it never happened. One only has to look to where the noted players were in 1947 to determine this is just another one of Hollywood's manipulations of the nation's stream of consciousness. White men taking down black women. Get angry, America, is the narrative they want to push here. Historical accuracy be damned. 
So let's look at where these uh, cast of characters would have been in 1947. Joseph McCarthy was just elected to the Senate and had not yet declared his crusade against communism with his wheeling speech, which, by the way, was in 1950. And Roy Cohn had just graduated from Columbia Law School in 1947 at age 19 and was more than a year away from being able to be admitted to the bar. Rankin and Thomas had no uh, observed nor documented involvement in the Holiday case whatsoever. The only character that had any sort of historical relevance in the scene was Ansinger, who did indeed orchestrate Billy Holiday's arrest. He was the only one that belonged there at all. We all know that Hollywood takes liberty with historical stories. I think we've come to expect it. But this was a blatant misplacement of historical figures to push a narrative, plain and simple. I know many of you out there have given up on Hollywood. I have too, and it's for good reason. They are just a propaganda outlet for the left. The true entertainment value they used to provide left us long ago. There's no new ideas anymore. Nothing is funny anymore. It's all mediocre franchises and political, uh, political pushing of political narratives. Now, here's more proof that Hollywood is deep in the narrative game if we ever needed more proof to begin with. They are fully invested in the evil, middle-aged white men oppressing the black uh, woman narrative and... Unfortunately, those that watch this film are not likely to check their historical facts and accuracy of this particular movie for themselves. And it's just, you know, all these, I think, just the same because you'll go and try and talk to these people that have watched this movie and they'll just be emotionally triggered when you do so because you start, you bring facts to them. And they'll just start yelling at you because they saw it in, in this movie and it's, it's a fact um, because Hollywood said so and because it fits their narrative and their ideals. Not all, but, you know, I think you'll find that with a good chunk of, uh, of uh, the, the leftists or even not even, I guess they don't even really have to be hard leftists maybe to, to have seen this. And as long as they're not going to check out their own historical facts and they're presenting with some presented with something that's, that's based on history, let's call it, then it's got to be true, right? It was on my my glowing idiot box in, in my living room. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to believe. Uh, now, what we see here, and, and this is why it is vitally important to ignore Hollywood propaganda. And at this point, to assume the truth that is really the opposite of what they are pushing out. If you haven't been doing that already, start now. This is why we need to get back to good American-centric historical teachings that are factually accurate. And that's good, bad, or ugly with the history. It needs to be factually accurate. You can't just kill some of it because it's it's bad, or you can't kill some of it because it doesn't fit the narrative. you got to present it all, good, bad, or ugly. Now, Americans who watch this are likely to leave, uh, watch this, uh, the uh, United States versus Billy Holiday. They're likely to leave with the impression that these men took down Billy Holiday, even though based on the dates and records, it was 
literally impossible for most of the men that were in this movie to have even had a hand in it. Context is important here. Hollywood never provides it, so it has to be up to us to do the fact-checking for ourselves. And then we need to be vocal about the inaccuracies of the portrayals of Hollywood, or even, for that matter, the media at large, the mainstream media. We need to be vocal, continue to be vocal, and continue to be putting out the historically accurate facts and the relevant facts out there to counteract the narratives of, of lies and deceit. And now, even better is that we start to inflect real material loss on Hollywood by just not watching their mindless drivel at all. Friends, before I go, I would be so appreciative and grateful if you paid a visit to my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. I have added a few more resources for activism under the Resources tab, and I have two new blog posts up. I'd be grateful if you'd give them a look if you haven't done so already. I'm also working on the next set of some new pages of resources to post there. So coming soon, hopefully this week. I really need about 48 hours in a day to get this all done as as a one-man show here does this in his, in his spare time as a hobby, basically. Uh, and I'll close with this. I am extremely grateful for you all who listen to the show and engage with me on social media, and even take the time to promote my show on your accounts to your followers. It absolutely means the world to me. Your kind words and word-of-mouth advertising is much appreciated and you know does, does more to spread the word of the show than any advertisement or self-promotion I could ever do. So uh, thank you. Thank you all for, for, for doing that. Um, we're all, uh, you, you've heard me say before, we're all a team here. And all, you know, all the promotion, everything you guys sharing with your friends and family and neighbors and whoever else, you know, it helps us grow the show. It helps us move up the charts and helps us help more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. You can do that by subscribing to my show as well as signing up for notifications. Follow me on social media. My main account is on Parlor. I am at livingwithliberty. I am also on MeWe. Just search for Living with Liberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.